On today's episode of No Days Off, it is the Wednesday Melee, and we are breaking down everything happening in the sports world this week. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of No Days Off. Two episodes in a row. If you're not subscribed to the podcast, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Instagram at No Days Off Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Wednesday Melee, folks. What is up? Hello, hello. How you doing? Hello, hello. How you doing? We're going to get started in the world of the NBA. Jake, I got to say, man. Yo. You want to just tell me I'm right now? You want to just, Listen. So, so if you can think back to a clip we had a little bit back, ladies and gentlemen, about the NBA in the Eastern Conference, to be specific. And he's getting all down and mopey because he knows that I'm pretty close to being right. As you, as as majority of you probably know, the Miami Heat beat the Milwaukee Bucks four to one, clinching the series yesterday, making short work of the number one seed overall in the Eastern Conference. Now the Boston Celtics have taken a three to two lead over the Toronto Raptors going into a game six. Mm. So potentially me calling the Miami Heat against the Boston Celtics, it's going to be happening very soon. And you saying, I, I think you picked, so, who'd you pick? The Toronto Raptors I picked and the Raptors Milwaukee and the Bucks. Bucks? Oh, okay. Obviously okay. got smoked on the Bucks pick, but Some Raptors mokity. could. I mean, it's 3-2. They're playing tonight, I believe. So For sure. we can see what's going on. I mean, it's game six. Yeah, game six tonight, 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Raptors Celtics. So now, dude. now one thing that bodes favor bodes in your favor for the the uh, the Raptors there against the Celtics. Their coach Nick Nurse, he has a seventy one win percentage, seventy one percent chance of winning tonight. He's always in the playoffs. He always wins typically the game after a loss. Mm. So that's something to hold your hat on. But I mean. Yeah, was, was listen, I right? Was listen, I, let's just talk I about. Right listen, or? I mean, congratulations. I mean, I think I think we got to know about Miami's hot right now. Hot hopefully, right now. hopefully they don't cool down too much. I'm hot waiting right for now. the. They're, they're wait, hot right baby. now. They're hot. All right, just wait, baby. What do you want me to say? What's their name? Miami. What? Miami Heat. Oh, okay, okay. They're hot. All right. Hopefully they don't cool off too much. Waiting for the for the winner of the Celtics. Nah, and they'll be ready, man. Be ready, but they are hot right now. As we look toward the West, though, uh, we got some series of Lakers versus the Rockets and the Clippers versus the Nuggets. Both 2-1 L.A. teams are in the lead in the series. Yeah, yeah. I feel like... Uh, Whatever. Obviously, I think we both would agree that it's the Lakers versus the Clippers. I th- yes, I yes. We think it's going to be the Lakers and the Clippers, but let's so get let me, back to the real news, dude. But let me ask you the question. If it's either of those teams, do you think the Heat have a chance? No, I don't. I think whoever comes out of the West is going to win, depending on like injuries and stuff like that. But I want to talk about the number one seed in the East getting... Yeah, Almost swept, smoked. dude. Almost swept. Got Giannis smoked. Antetokounmpo didn't even... He sat out the last game. He sat out the with last an, game. With, so an that begs, with an ankle. I get it. But at the same time, that begs the question. Is Giannis going to be staying with the Milwaukee Bucks? 
That's the question of the year. Big dude. question. The question. Is he going to demand a trade or is he going to sign a super max contract with the Milwaukee Bucks, which could potentially be worth up to $220 million. Just huge money. Million dollars. Especially once you stay with a team, you have the luxury of getting that super max contract. So mm-hmm. he can set his family and his family's family and his family's family's family up for potentially the rest of their <laughs> lives with this one contract, ladies and gentlemen. Dude, he could set up a country. He could buy a country and set that country up for success for the rest of the decades slash century, man. But you look at this money. guy. You look at Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Greek freak. Can he win in Milwaukee? People are suggesting that Chris Paul needs to go to Milwaukee, and that's what Giannis needs to help him succeed and get over this playoff kind of hurdle he has in front of him right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Chris Paul is the idea, the ideal fit for, uh, for Giannis. What I think needs to happen is Giannis to the Miami Heat. Giannis to the Miami Heat would be absolutely exhilarating. They have the young pieces to move to the Milwaukee Bucks. Mm. But at the same time, my friend, I don't know if the Bucks are going to be willing to do that. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if I see the Bucks willing to part with him. Giannis says he wants to win. That's the big thing he's he said is he wants to win, assumedly, over getting paid the huge Supermax deal. However, it's really hard to turn down that money. Um I don't know, man. I feel like I think he's going to stay in Milwaukee, but I feel like he'll he'll give them a chance to bring in some players. I like it. Well, the you know how is, like as an example, Brooklyn yeah. Nets. Let me interrupt you. KD, Kyrie, there. I heard they had a lot of input on bringing Steve Nash in. Like they, the ownership management, I love went it. through KD and like you guys cool with this? Like you all right? And KD had a relationship with Steve Nash. Like they've been working together on different things, and while they were at the Warriors, etc. So yeah. something like that could happen where Jonas gets involved. And like, hey, I'd really like. Boom to be involved in this team. Boom, you know for sure. Yeah, that's that's all well and good for you know a place like Brooklyn, New York City, but Milwaukee, Wisconsin is a little bit different from <laughs> smaller market. Okay, New there's York no offense City, again, my friends. Smaller market, smaller market for sure. Is there players that can come play with Giannis? Absolutely. Did players come play with LeBron for sure? But at the same time, you got to have the ability to convince them to come play with you. Yep. You got to have the ability, and Giannis hasn't had the greatest track record in the postseason, man. He's He's had like the top record overall in the regular season. I think the past two years being the number one seed overall in the playoffs, but he's he hasn't made it to the to the conference finals. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's something to kind of watch out for. Giannis is a legit player. He needs to develop more of a perimeter game when you look at his outside shot and three point three point land and everything like that. But he's a legit player, he, man. Absolute he, uh, stud. He doesn't take plays off. He's a hard worker, man. Oh no, no. And let me ask you this question. So you talked about Miami in the East. Yeah. Do you see any options for him in the West? I don't know. You know, everybody wants to say the Lakers, but I mean, how are they going to? It's too much. Yeah, the salary cap's not big enough, dude. Well, but at the same time, we're just going to ignore that. But at the same time, just going forward. It's too much like, money. You know what I'm saying? Move, moving forward. All right, here we go. Just, yeah, just stop. Just going forward with that. I, I don't know. I don't know in the West. Maybe Denver. Denver could be a possibility as well. Um, but, yeah. Let's move on. <laughs> Let's move on to the Oklahoma City Thunder parting ways with their head coach, Billy Donovan. Man, didn't see that coming. The Thunder had a 0.2% chance of making the playoffs this year with their, with their current roster, and then they made the playoffs as a sixth seed. So it was interesting to see them in this type of a type of a spot, man. And now that they're parting ways with Billy Donovan, there's one thing in people's minds: they are looking to rebuild and retool the franchise. They want to start over. 
And I think Billy Donovan wants to part ways as well. And this was a mutual parting from what my understanding is. Mm-hmm. And it seems like a lot of things going on um, just allows for them to kind of start rebuilding the Oklahoma City Thunders. You think back to when they were the Seattle Supersonics and they drafted Kevin Durant and they got Russell Westbrook before they became the Oklahoma City Thunder. They've been good for a long, long time, man. They have been good for a long, long time. Coach Donovan was able to make it to the playoffs every single year. He was the head coach of the team. So there's there's spots that Billy Donovan could land. Yep. Hell, I wouldn't mind seeing him back at the University of Florida again. That would be a potential landing spot for him. But, uh, yeah, what so are your thoughts on So folks are man? saying Billy Donovan could have a spot in New Orleans, in Philadelphia, at the Pacers, Indiana. Uh, even the Bulls are expected to have some interest in, in Donovan. So there's some landing spots for him uh, in the NBA. Uh, maybe he'd go back to college. I don't know if I see him going back to college, though. But it'll be interesting to see. I like him as a coach. I think he's a good guy. I remember him at Florida just being great. L- respected his move to the to the NBA, and he did well with KD, et cetera, when he was first there with the Thunder. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. Really interested to see what happens with him. But at the same time, he's not one of those guys like from the coaching spectrum like that you're thinking about, like, oh, man, this is going to be like a major splash if he lands you know, somewhere. Like he, he lands in Philadelphia. He lands whatever potentially in milwaukee Mm. so i'm not i'm not looking at it like that but kind of on that coaching trail there was a lot of stuff going on with the brooklyn nets you mentioned them already they had a big hire in steve nash Mm -hmm. as their head coach you think about steve nash nba legend just epitomizes the point guard position has a great brain for basketball represents um the country of canada he's one of the representatives for the uh the uh, national team for them. So it's interesting to me that there's a lot of talk about like how it's unfair to a lot of, you know, black coaches that Steve Nash was hired with no coaching experience and things like that. And Stephen A. Smith of ESPN pointed out that this is white privilege, that Steve Nash got this job because of white privilege that he has had no coaching experience. So he does not deserve this type of a job. And there's a couple of things here because there's been numerous coaches in the NBA who have gotten coaching coaching jobs with no coaching experience. You think about Derek Fisher, just comes right to my brain, obviously. Didn't have any coaching experience before he was a head coach, and he was hired by the New York Knicks. So it's, it's potentially – it's tough to grasp that, but you brought it up, dude. You made the point. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are two superstars in the league. Kevin Durant's one of the best players offensively that we've ever seen in the NBA. Mm-hmm. So obviously the Brooklyn Nets organization has spoken to them about this. They got the okay from their two superstars to make a hire like Steve Nash as the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. I think that's a good hire, man. I think that's a really good hire. I think it's a really good hire, I, too. I don't think it's, I don't think, is there some white privilege? I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know if I can answer that justly, but I think there, I think it's a little bit unfair for Stephen A. Smith to kind of take that jab at Steve Nash. There's been plenty of coaches, black and white, who have gotten jobs in this league without a lot of coaching experience. Yeah, so the deal that what I heard about Steve Nash is he has been under the radar in different capacities, almost as like, you know, a company would hire an advisor or a counselor or something like that or a contractor to come on and work specific projects. He's almost had that role from what I understood. Um, Specifically, the KD example comes to mind. Like he worked with the Warriors one-on-one KD. They have a good relationship. So what I understood is that he's been behind the scenes a lot, doing some mentoring, doing some coaching. Mm. But, um, you know, obviously he's well-respected throughout the league, has a very high basketball IQ, 
Uh, I think he knows how to relate to the players, which I think is really totally important agreed, these days. Dude. Has a lot of respect. But, you know, I mean, here's another guy who started maybe not with the most prolific coaching uh, statistics and did well. Steve Kerr. So Steve Kerr went to the Warriors and did excellent, you know, without the hugest, the, the largest base f- as, as a coach, you know. So I think there's an example of someone who had success, and maybe Steve Nash will have success too. I personally really like the move, and I'm, I think it's a good move. I'm excited for it. I him. think it's similar situations because Steve Kerr, obviously, he was the general manager of the Phoenix Suns, made some awesome moves, made some great things happen with that organization. When he left, the wheels kind of fell off the wagon there. We know that. But Steve Nash couldn't have put himself in a better position, in my opinion. You, yeah. you look at that Brooklyn Nets team next year, man. They got to be the clear favorites in the Eastern Conference as long as Kevin Durant's coming back healthy. I think there's a lot to be happy for uh, the Brooklyn Nets and a lot to be excited for about this team as we look towards the 2021 season. Heck yeah. Um, as we as we move forward, I just want to stay on basketball for a second, and that's with uh, the NCAA. So basically what's happening today actually is that Led by the ACC coaches, Mike Krzyzewski in particular, the ACC is leading a proposal for all NCAA Division I teams to compete in the tournament. Wow. So 346-team NCAA college basketball tournament. Semi-bubble style, which I don't think is feasibly possible. How is that possible, dude? Yeah. Feasibly possible when you look at... Uh, matchups and buys and teams, you know, commuting and, you know, lodging in a bubble environment like Orlando, as an example. But I get the point that what he's trying to say is that I appreciate, this is what I appreciate about this whole thing. I I don't think it's going to go through a whole, every school like Cleveland State gets to play in the NCAA tournament. Like, you know, you have to earn that. But what he's, what I appreciate is the underlying theme here that the ACC coaches, you know, smart guys like Krzyzewski, et cetera, are trying to lead the way to plan in advance for basketball, yeah. to plan in advance for college basketball, whereas you've seen some of these other sports. I mean, we know Big Ten, we've talked about Kevin Warren, just totally flop out. So I like to see this um, a little bit of, of more of a, an aggressive style, a little bit more action-oriented style with trying to have a, a season and trying to have you know uh, the tournament again, which, which is, I think, a good thing for college basketball. Um, I will say, though, that the tournament itself brings in a ton of money. Ton of money. Ton of money. They didn't have it so last year. I don't think they want to lose that money. They didn't have it last year either, man. So you must be like, these guys got to be thinking, okay, we can't miss out on this, you know, chunk of change again yeah. for two years in a row. Cause they were literally the ones who got hit. Pandemic hit in March, March madness. Yep. Boom. See you later. So it's tough. It's tough to say. I like the thought process. I think, I think at some point you got to just kind of do what the NBA did. Not everybody can be invited to the dance, man. Yeah. The NBA had this on freaking lockdown. As soon as everything got ready to rock and roll, they set up their location and they got it rolling. Now, at the same time, these are student athletes. I just don't know if they're going to be able to be able to do the same exact thing that the NBA did. Yeah. I mean, if if it were me, I would almost think that you have to do what the NBA did in terms of have a bubble with like, you know, the top 12 teams or the top, t- like you instead of going larger, you go actually the other way smaller. Tough. And it's it's tough to no do that Cinderella's. Amid, amid a season, yeah. you know, without center, without you know playing games, without records to determine seating. But I almost think you need to go smaller and have almost that NCAA tournament with the larger names. I don't think they get an automatic bid, though, so it's tough this year. But I think instead of going large, I think you go a little bit more intimate with, like, 
you know, the top 12, 18, whatever, Damn, versus dude. 64. So I don't know what's going to happen with that. I think it's an interesting development that we'll have to stay on. So they're supposed to be announcing stuff throughout the week, and they, I think they're having a decision. The NCA is about uh, winter sports closer to mid-September to the end of September. So more information should be coming on that. Awesome, man. Awesome. I'm, I'm hoping there's an NCAA tournament, but we don't know. We just don't know what's going to be going on this year. The NFL is going to be starting soon, literally tomorrow. And we are kind of uncertain about that as well. Is there going to be a season? I don't want to put any bad juju on the NFL, but man, with all this shit going on in the world, we just got to pray and hope that we got a freaking football season, people, because there is a lot of news to talk about when we think about the NFL. Where would you like to start, my friend? Uh, week one, we talked about our podcast yesterday. If you haven't checked it out, really take a listen because we went in depth on games, matchups, who we like, fantasy players to watch. I think we got to start out with Jadavian Clowney, though. I, I mean, love we, it, dude. We've been talking about I him love for a it, while. Man. Yes. So Jadavian Clowney, formerly of the Seattle Seahawks, formerly of the Houston Texans, <laughs> has now signed with the Tennessee Titans, ladies and gentlemen. And this might not be breaking news for you, but this is one of the biggest signings kind of for this year. You think about the Tennessee Titans, one game away from a Super Bowl appearance last appearance last year. Can't talk. And so they ran into the Kansas City Chiefs. Is Jadavian Clowney what they need? Is that the piece they need to not only win the AFC South, but also to make that defensive run in the playoffs this year and possibly knock off the Kansas City Chiefs, man? I kind of love this signing. I kind of called Tennessee Titans. You did. I kind of called Tennessee Titans. I'm not just tooting my own horn here. No, 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 you did. But at the same time, I'm I'm a big fan of this move for Clowney. I love Mike Variable, the head coach of the Tennessee Titans as well. That defense is so freaking underrated, man. That defense is so freaking underrated. And I'm really excited to see. I'm really excited to see what he can do. He's just got to go hard, man. Just got to go hard. Can't take plays off. I hope he's returning healthy. Will he be in this game this week? I don't know. I don't he know. Wants, if he's he the wanted the big money, to... dude. Now he's got to show the numbers that support that big money. So I think the, the position of an edge rusher is really important. Uh, so him making a difference there could totally help that team. Now, is it enough to propel them past the Colts? To propel them past, you know, we'll see how the Texans are 50 50. Even to propel them past, you know, tough teams like the Ravens and the Chiefs in the AFC as you look forward, you know, even the Bills with the stout defense they have. So. It's a nice compliment on the defensive side to the power that we talk about Derrick Henry having, even, you know, A.J. Brown, you know, his prowess there, Johnny Smith, you know, seeing how Corey, Corey Davis, Davis does, yeah. right? So I think it's a nice compliment for that team overall. I like it. Um, and does we'll that make them the favorite in the AFC South? I still don't think so. I think, I think, it, Do you, they're, are they're, you sticking with the Colts? I am sticking with the Colts. Colts, I think it does move them a little closer to that envelope. Yeah, I agree. Um, but I, I do see the Colts as a favorite there in the AFC South. I'm I'm interested to see. I, I kind of have them just like neck and neck with the Colts. I don't see the Texans coming out of the AFC South, man. But at the same time, I think this is a huge signing. This I think it, probably, I think it, I think it inserts them in my mind as almost a like they got a good shot. The wild card. oh yeah like wild card. You if know, if they don't no draft. so if they don't make if they don't win the division, I think they can they're they're gonna make the the playoffs. Yeah, you know what I mean. The tough thing is like can can a division have three. This year, we talked about it yesterday a little bit with the AFC North. It's tough, man. It's going to be tough to be able to get three teams into the freaking dance. Um, but, yeah, like we were yep. talking about, that's that's a huge signing. Kind of kind of on a sadder note, we're going to move on to yeah. the, staying with the defensive side of the ball. Found out that Von Miller of the Denver Broncos is going to be out for this season, it looks like, with a little bit of a tendon injury to his ankle, I believe. Mm-hmm. And now the Denver Broncos coming in saying that Von Miller was literally unblockable in training camp this off season as they got together in Denver. 
and now it was a non-contact play. There was no pads on. He did it on literally the last play of practice. And now potentially Von Miller will be out for the season for the Denver Broncos. So that's very tough to hear. The return of Bradley Chubb was something we were looking forward to seeing. Bradley Chubb and Von Miller trying to wreak havoc on opponents' quarterbacks. So it's, it's tough for me. I, I'm a big Von Miller fan. I like him. He's a good dude, good personality in the league. Love his glasses that he always wears. Um, but at the same time, it's sad to hear him having to, uh, having to miss some games, man. I thought Denver was going to have a phenomenal run on defense. A lot of players they signed this year as they're going forward. So it's it's going to be interesting, man. That's a tough one. I, I feel bad for the guy. I mean, you hate when injuries happen. I do think, though, that the injury of Von Miller is a big blow to that organization. When you look at the AFC and you look at the AFC West, it's challenging. Yeah. You got the Chiefs. I mean, that's always a great... And when you lose someone like a Von Miller, it's tough. That's a big... That's a that's an important player on that Broncos team. So, you know, we talked about it week one yesterday. It's Titans versus Broncos. And when you don't have a Von Miller in the middle trying to take down a Derrick Henry, that's a challenge, man. That's a yeah. big challenge, you know? So when you look at where does this affect the Broncos in terms of the race for the playoffs, I think there's, they still have talent, right? Um, I think offensively they got a lot of potential. I just worry that of potential. he's a huge leader on that defense. It is Overall, maybe a younger team when you look at it, at least offensively. So I think having that veteran leadership is important. But um, I don't know, man. Dude, let's move on because I'm getting upset yeah. just, just thinking about yeah, this. Yeah, when injuries, you just hate yeah. that. Let's move to the offensive side of the ball. Definitely. The Arizona Cardinals made a move as well. They made a move making DeAndre Hopkins the yep. highest paid non-quarterback in the league. Two years, $42.5 million, fully fully guaranteed contract. So that ties DeAndre Hopkins to the Arizona Cardinals, I believe, for five years. $94 million. He's making about $19 million per year with the Arizona Cardinals. What are your thoughts on this, man? Like, do you think that, obviously, I think he deserves it. Yeah. But do you think he deserves to be the highest paid non-quarterback in the league? It's a great question. Dude. On the that offensive is, side of the ball, of course. a phenomenal question. It's going to be a great clip. So do I think he deserves to be the highest non-paid quarterback? No. I don't think that. Uh, the receiver position deserves that. But the fact that they made this this jump to lock him down, I mean, dude, he's a top three wide receiver in the NFL. Oh, I'd yeah. say it goes Michael Thomas, D-Hop, and like choose between Julio Jones, Devontae Adams, and uh, that's that's it maybe. I mean, some folks might argue Tyreek Hill. But, so is he a top three wide receiver? Yes. But the thing is, though, that the wide receivers can't necessarily themselves control the outcome of a game, I believe. Like, they're... They're dependent on Pon, in some respect, the quarterback to give him the ball, to yeah. get open, for them to find him, um, you know, to saturate that defense, to get in there. So I would prefer the the next highest pay position beyond the quarterback to be, I would say, you know, a running back or a defensive player. Like when you look at a lineman, yeah, a lot but of let's stay money. on the offensive side of the ball because defensive contracts, there's guys that make more like hell Jalen Ramsey's making more than DeAndre Hopkins now. Yeah. Just think like offensive side of the ball, non-quarterback position. It's tough on the running backs, man, because they're just so injury prone. So you got to find when you when you get a good running back, like you got to Saquon Barkley, you haven't Alvin Kamara, you got to sign those guys, man. You got to sign those guys. You saw Christian McCaffrey get his money because he deserves that money. Um, do I think DeAndre Hopkins should be the highest played non quarterback in the NFL on the offensive side of the football? I don't know if it should be him, man. 
I don't know if it should be him. Am I upset about his contract? Absolutely not. I think he's a phenomenal primetime player. Dude makes moves. And I think he's going to really help the Arizona Cardinals take another leap forward this year, especially with Kyler Murray's progression. Mm -hmm. I think he's going to do really well. But I think Julio Jones is just the best receiver in the game, man. I think Julio Jones is just the best receiver in the game. Running backs, you can get running backs undrafted that are going to come in and change a franchise. We've seen that numerous times. That can be Hall of Famers. You know what I mean? So you don't have to overthink this, ladies and gentlemen. But I think uh, when you look at that wide receiver position, I'm still a bigger fan of Julio Jones, but I think DeAndre Hopkins deserves every penny he's about to get paid, man. Good for him. His story is awesome. I think he got did dirty by the Texans, to be yeah. honest. It's funny, dude. The Texans got rid of him, and this is what happens. Like, obviously, Billy the Cardinals Stu, Joe Bryan, dude. See, see his, his worth, and that's why they're giving him this deal. So I just want to say that, you know, it's funny when you talk about Julio Jones because Larry Fitzgerald's on record as saying that, like, phys- physicality-wise, like, as a pure athlete specimen, Julio Jones is the wildest, the wildest dude he's ever seen. The best, yeah. This is Larry Fitzgerald, who is now D-Hop's teammate. So there's a lot of weapons on that offense. Um, I think DeAndre Hopkins is a consistent overall achiever. I think that um, running backs also have been shown to make a difference. So I know they they have a shorter lifespan, but like Derrick Henry won that playoff game last year against Patriots almost single-handedly. So um, cool move. But as we move on and we talk about money, you mentioned him as a nice segue. Our boy Jalen Ramsey, yeah. favorite, quote-unquote, not favorite guy in the league, gets the most money ever. For a cornerback. For a cornerback. Yeah. What are your thoughts? I believe that, what, what's the deal? Oh, he's making $105 million. Yeah. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but at the same time, I think the Rams, for what they gave up, they gave up two first-round picks. They're paying Jalen Ramsey for what they hope he can be at this point. Jalen Ramsey hasn't been a top-three cornerback in the league since 2017, in my opinion. Just watching what he did last year, watching what he did the year before. It's just like, he, he's getting to the point where it's just like, what, like, what are we doing here? Just comparatively, 2017 to 2018, Jalen Ramsey, it's totally different guys. I understand there was a lot going on in the organization last year, moving from Jacksonville to L.A. There's a lot of different things things going to happen for you. Yeah. It's a big, big adjustment you got to make going from a place like Duval County to Los Angeles, California, ladies and gents. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I just don't think Jalen Ramsey is the guy that everybody thinks he is. I is agree. he a shutdown corner? Yeah, he has the ability to be a shutdown corner consistently. But I don't know if he's that guy anymore that you saw in Jacksonville that could shut down a guy we just talked about, DeAndre Hopkins. I don't know if Jalen Ramsey is that guy anymore. I think the, I think the Rams are paying for, paying him for what they hope he can be going forward. I agree. I mean, when you look at a couple names on this list, we talk about Stephon Gilmore. We talk about Trey White. Both of them had six interceptions last year. They're tied for the lead. How many interceptions last year did our boy Jalen Ramsey have? One. Boom. Okay. He was out like some games amid trying to get to the Rams or trying to be traded yeah. from the Jaguars. So when you look at production-wise, I mean, dude, Stephon Gilmore had like 20 pass breakups last year. Stunned. He had like two defensive t- like some crazy numbers. Trey White, almost like when, when you have these corners, they shut a receiver down for the game and they get no touches. Like when you look at other guys, I mean, Marcus Peters is on this list. Joe Hayden from the Steelers. When you look at Patrick Peterson, like all these names, Byron Jones, are just really great guys that I don't, I don't know if I'd, if I choose Jalen Ramsey over them, but hey, the the Rams are trying to lock down that yeah. defensive side of the I ball. I mean, some of the guys you mentioned, Ramsey. I don't think those are top corners in the league either. You know, Joe Hayden. I don't know if Joe Hayden's that guy anymore either. But I'm just talking strictly Jalen Ramsey. I don't. You don't have to bring up other guys. I 
I saw it last year myself when he was with the Los Angeles Rams. I think the Rams are just hoping that he can recapture the magic, like I was saying. They paid him this money hoping that he can reclaim what he did in that 2017 season where he was a legitimate shutdown corner. He had a game last year that he played for Doug Marone where he did shut down DeAndre Hopkins. You know what I mean? So it's it's potentially um, a good signing if he can reclaim what he did from a few years ago and kind of staying on that cornerback um, on that cornerback trail. This one hits home, ladies and gents. As Buffalo Bills fans, this is one of the best things that we could have seen um, over the past few days, and that's that Tredavious White is signing with the Buffalo Bills, ladies and gents, for contract extension. I believe he's getting $55 million guaranteed if you can get that money up for me. Yeah. Um, so this is big for the Buffalo Bills. He said a lot of great things over the weekend. He's a blue-collar guy. He lives in a blue-collar town, and he loves everything about Buffalo. His family's comfortable there. He The the thing that really like touched touched my heart was he said that I'm going to be able to retire my mom and dad. And I, they don't have to worry about money anymore or anything like that. His family doesn't have to worry about money anymore. And that he's worried about now bringing a Super Bowl to the city of Buffalo. And he wants to get his nu- jersey number retired and be on the Bills Wall of Fame. So Tredavious White, I don't know if you'll ever see this dude or hear this. But man, congratulations from two huge Bills fans. We couldn't be happier to have you with our organization for whatever it may be the next six years of your career, man. If you call it quits early, like sometimes you see Andrew Luck, you see legit players call it call it a career a little earlier, Calvin Johnson, than you would hope. Congratulations, man. This is huge for the Buffalo Bills. I think this is an amazing signing, and I couldn't be happier. Yeah, I Four-year, $70 million extension, uh, $55 million guarantees in the new deal. So that ties them to Buffalo for six years going forward. So great deal. I mean, when you look at the moves that the Bills have made, obviously Trey White is a, what you would say, a lockdown corner. The receivers he, he takes on in games don't produce. Like, he locks them down. Yeah. So that's fantastic. Uh, I like that move on the defensive side. Uh, Buffalo has, has grown into a strong defensive presence under Sean McDermott complimenting what they've grown on the offensive side. So I know that Brandon Bean, who's the general manager of the Bills, is trying to make moves to continue to set the Bills up for AFC East titles going forward. And so in their vision, they yeah, view dude. Trey White as part of that that strategy to keep building this team up for titles in the AFC East uh, for years to come. So this will be the first year that there's a great chance they can do it. The tides have turned amid the Patriots, Hell yeah, we dude. believe. So I think this is a really good move. It's an exciting thing. Trey White likes Buffalo. Remember, like, freaking Jalen Ramsey's like, bro, you got to get out of Buffalo. He, like, tweeted something to Trey White last Fuck last, you, Jalen. And, now, Fuck you, and dude. now Trey White couldn't be happier to lock it down. And a lot of these guys just love the city. They love the fans. They love the Bills Mafia who support him and who just love him. So it's great to have Trey White here. I'm going to have to get Trey White jersey. Oh, now you know, yeah, he's, now yeah, you know that he's tied here. Yeah, that's what baby. you like. Is you like having the jersey a dude that's tied to your I team like for a while? Yeah, man. Instead of, you know, they could peace out in a little bit. So Sammy I like Watkins. that. See yeah. Sammy Watkins. But dude, you look at this, like just thinking about uh like the LA Rams management and organization. They just they they've been just overpaying players. You look at Jared Groff, you look at Todd Gurley, and now Jalen Ramsey, man. You know, the one player I think deserves the money that he got is Aaron Donald, obviously. Yeah. But at the same time, you look at the contracts comparably. Jalen Ramsey and Trey White. The Buffalo Bills got the way better of this deal. Way better of this deal. You know, Jalen Ramsey's oh, yeah. going, I think he's making like over $70 million, like guaranteed money, which is great for him. He's making like $21 million a year mm-hmm. as you're going through. Trey's making 17, 17 a year. So it's, it's tough. So 
Yeah. I don't know. Just going forward, I'm a big fan of this move. And, uh, yeah, I guess we're, we're going to have to move on now. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's start thinking about some NFL moves uh, just going forward. When you think about just looking ahead to the season, tomorrow is the very first game between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Houston Texans. Um, very excited about that. Let's think about MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year, and Comeback Player of the Year. All right, okay. ladies and gentlemen. Now, my NFL MVP for the 2020 season is going to be, are you ready? I'm ready, dude. Dak Prescott of the Dallas Cowboys. Really? Correct. Dak Prescott of the Dallas Cowboys. My defensive player of the year is going to be Khalil Mack of the Chicago Bears. Mm. My offensive rookie of the year is going to be Joe Burrow of the Cincinnati Bengals. And my defensive rookie of the year, my man, Chase Young of the Washington football team. Those are great picks. Those are really good picks. So if I had to go through and I would list my defensive and offensive MVPs for the year, I think I have to go again. I think I'm going to make a, this is going to be a, a wild card pick here, but I think I'm going to go for the offensive player of the year. So it's just the MVP. The, the MVP. I'm going to go for Aaron Rodgers. And I think wow. that he had, I think that he will be motivated no by a lot of the this, this trash talk that's been going on. And I think that he will have a monster season. So I look forward to seeing what Aaron Rodgers can do. I think, <laughs> I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. Wow. And I think for when you look at the defensive MVP, I'm going to go with my guy. Hmm. Just defensive player of the year. Defensive player of the year. That is a goodie. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with my guy. This is a good, Joey Bosa. I'm going to go Joey Bosa, Los Angeles Chargers. I think that him and Ingram have those two sides managed up well. And I think that he'll have a really good season. They sign him to a lot of money. And I think that that team's going to have to rely on that defensive play. So I think that he can manage that line really well. So I see that playing out. I think those are two reaches. Who are your rookie players of the year? I would have to go rookie would be Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Okay. Rookie player that would be Clyde Edwards-Alaire for the offensive side. And defensive side, that's a tough one. Man, I wish my LSU guys were playing. I don't know. I'll have to get back to you on defensive rookie of the year. I don't want to, I don't want to say anything stupid without thinking about it more. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So as we move forward, I just want to touch a little bit about college football as we're grinding through here. Season continues to be underway. Uh, more coaches are coming out that just today LSU will allow – 25% capacity of Tiger Stadium, but will not allow tailgating on campus. A lot of folks still high on Clemson and Bama, but we're seeing a lot of talk about could Texas and Florida make a college football playoff debut this year? Will Georgia, LSU, and Texas A&M be also strong contenders amid strong recruiting classes? So seeing a lot of talk about that as we look at college football. So the season will continue. I mean, September is the month. When we look at when will college football start and when will college football continue to get larger and larger with some of these bigger teams playing. So 
with that being said, some teams already played, like BYU and Navy played coming up this week. Tomorrow night, actually, we have Miami and UAB. Syracuse is playing on Saturday versus UNC. Uh, Appalachian State's in the game. Duke and Notre Dame on Saturday at 2.30. So some larger games. Georgia Tech, Florida State on Saturday at 3.30. So some of these larger teams are starting to play. Clemson's on Saturday night. Same thing with Texas. So it'll be cool to see some of these larger games come to fruition. Yeah, for sure. Exciting. Exciting stuff for college football coming up. And the last thing I do want to highlight as we go through this is UFC. Awesome. Let's now, go. I have some UFC questions for you. All right. All right. I love this sequence where we can ask each other questions and see how we feel. So, for real or not, Nick Diaz will return to the Octagon in 2021. Yep, absolutely. Guaranteed he will. It sounds like he's going to potentially fight in January. January or February. So he's looking to get a deal done. I believe he's going to fight. If he doesn't fight in January or February, for sure, he's got an entire year, 2021. He did a manageable weight cut, his team said. He was able to get down to somewhere between 165 to 175. They wouldn't tell us specifically uh, when Ariel Hawani was talking about it. But, yeah, I believe Nick Diaz will come back, and I think he's going to get an awesome matchup right off the bat, too, potentially. The winner of the Tyron Woodley fight, uh, Tyron Woodley, uh, Kobe Covington fight. Mm -hmm. So that's cool. Now, speaking of that, it's a great segue. Question number two. For real or not, Kobe Covington will be too much for Tyron Woodley, even without him training at ATT. Yeah, I think so. I think it's potentially um, going to be another episode where Tyron Woodley, like what Kamaru Usman did him, did to him, um, unless he's actually going to throw his hands, I think Tyron Woodley's going to lose this fight and potentially either move up to 185 or retire. Retire out of the UFC. Um, so that's tough for me. I think it could be a domination. I think it might be a domination by Kobe Covington. I do not want Kobe to win that. I want Tyron to win that. But at the same time, you look at his past few fights against Gilbert Burns, against Kamaru Usman, it has not looked good. So there's potential for Kobe Covington dominating Tyron Woodley on uh, coming up. And last one. For real or not, the bigger octagon will allow or will favor Israel Adesanya against Paulo Costa. So give him an advantage versus Paulo Costa, who assumingly would like to keep it a little more tight-knit. No, him. I disagree. I don't think it matters what kind of octagon it is. I don't know. Paulo Costa, regardless of what kind of octagon it is, it's going. To, he's going to go forward. Israel's going to use footwork and try and make a miss. That's what Israel does. And then he's going to time a shot and try and KO him. And I potentially see that happening for Israel Adesanya. But Paulo Costa is all about forward movement. That's the type of fighter he is. He's going to go forward. He's going to lay hands on your face. And then he's going to see if he can break you or put you down with body shots. And then he's going to start working the head after that. Because your, your body's just so broken down. So I don't think that really favors anybody. Um, it's just going to be all about Israel's footwork. Whether he's in a smaller cage, larger cage, I don't think that matters. Paulacas is definitely not going to change his game uh, based on a cage. So I don't, think it, I don't think it is an advantage for either one. I don't think their styles are going to change based on the, on the uh, size of a cage. Gotcha. Cool. Well, that was it for our Wednesday Melee session today on September 9th. We hope that y'all enjoyed listening. And remember to give us a shout. Uh, follow us on Instagram. Search us on wherever you find your podcast, Apple Podcasts at No Days Off. And we'll catch y'all next time. Week 1 NFL starting Thursday, tomorrow night. Check it.